Here's a weird disclaimer. This episode was recorded the morning after I got my second vaccine dose, and it wasn't until partway in that I realized that it had sort of knocked the wind out of me a bit. Uh, so this one is frankly a little... So this one is frankly a little low energy. I do apologize for that. It picks up in the middle bits. Uh, I'm probably overthinking this and didn't need a disclaimer about that. But uh, let me take it as an opportunity to encourage everyone who hears this. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the situation is in the far future of June when people are hearing this, but please go get yourselves vaccinated. Uh, protect yourselves as well as those around you and those around them in turn, etc. And now, on with the show. Platinum's cousin is the Hawaiian Punch mascot. That's right. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And we are talking about episodes 13 through 16 of Stardust Crusaders. And like after we had that previous episode of this podcast where we had like three really good episodes in a row, I feel like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, this first episode of the three today is kind of like, eh, whatever. (laughs) It's okay, but it's, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And then we get into a two-parter that's like, I mean, it technically had to be two parts. There was enough stuff to get through. <laughs> yes. But, mmm, mmm. Yeah. It does feel like there's a way you could have squished that two-parter into one. <laughs> uh, but before we get there, we have to talk about episode 13, Wheel of Fortune. Hey. So we are off headed to Pakistan, and I am bracing myself. I am terrified that they are going to talk about religious violence as they cross the India-Pakistan border. Uh Uh-huh. I do not want JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to teach me about the partition, please. Mm. It's not in my notes, at least. I feel like I would have written that down if it came up, but I'm pretty sure it does not come up. (laughs) (laughs) But the the whole crew is, you know, in their their Jeep, squeezed in. How do they fit? No one knows. (laughs) I really wish they were just shoulder to shoulder, like barely fitting in this thing. But no, it's just massive inside. Not not a Jeep. It's like a, a 80s style SUV. Yeah. And yeah, as they're driving, they're going, they're already missing the previous areas they've been to. They, they hate mm-hmm. driving on this unpaved, just, you know, like desert road. And there is a dude. There, there, there's the car we saw in the cliffhanger the previous episode uh, driving in front of them. And he keeps slowing down. Uh, so they're bumper to bumper. And that car has been following them since Varanasi, yeah. a thousand kilometers behind them. <laughs> He's just going the same way. There's nothing weird going on here. <laughs> they just noticed. Yeah. I, I do like the bit of, you know, banter we start off with where, where Joseph is going to miss India. He feels real bad about his racist anxiety from the boat. Mm-hmm. And and also the little moment where Polnareff, like, states out loud his plans to, you know, once we aren't, you know, trying to beat the clock and kill Dio, I, I want to uh, reinter Avdol and, and give him a proper burial. Mm, right, yeah. I feel like out of any of the people you could choose to to drive this car, Polnareff is probably the worst choice. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, does seem like the most reckless driver. 
Yeah, you know, this car is in front of them, and it's it's slowing down, so it's making them slow down, too. And Polnareff gets real pissed off, and he uh, speeds around this dude. And because they're just on unpaid road, Polnareff, like, flings a bunch of rocks at this other guy's car. Joseph is very upset. He hates to see a classic get its paint scuffed. Yeah. He's a real dad. <laughs> and as they, they get past that car, uh, Polnareff is suddenly shocked, and he slams on the brakes, comes to a full stop. Coming up on a split in the road ahead at this road sign is, uh, it's Anne. It's, Yay, it's the girl. She's from, back. Yeah, she's, she's back. back. What's her new excuse going to be? <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the OP that Anne should be in. She's earned it. Put her in there. Come on, yeah. please. She's got the cool shoulders. That means she must be part of the main crew, right? Yeah. Not just anybody is allowed to have those shoulders. So yeah, they, they pick her up. They put her back in the car. And she's immediately just rambling on and on about how she's going to be a grown-up woman soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would be really pathetic for, for people to catch her just wandering around like she has been. And as she's talking about this. The car from before is coming up again. Now he's speeding up behind him. And nobody is noticing the evil purple electricity emanating from from this car. I guess that's just for the viewer's benefit. Yeah, it's just for the audience. Otherwise, we would have no idea that this ominous car that we can't (laughs) see the driver inside might be evil. But I I like Anne's, you know, rationale for traveling the world, hitchhiking as a child. Mm -hmm. Like, she she doesn't want to be... She's the equivalent of, like, an art school graduate seeing (laughs) teens getting uh, jobs and feeling that they're too old already at at 24. (laughs) But, you know, for travel. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this this car is, like, driving right up behind them, like, tailgating them. Polnareff is, is... putting his arm out and waving him on like hey come on just pass me you know and just <laughs> guy. i like the the beginning of this this like fight i guess you could call it just being mm-hmm. just an aggressive driver it's like there's nothing weird about the car yet it's just no you pass me come on go on dick <laughs> yeah and, and but don't be an asshole about it come on yeah so this car passes them and i'm shocked to see that it has a driver you can see an arm on the steering wheel. Yeah, a really big, beefy arm. But then uh, the car goes in front of them and is just, again, uh, uh, dawdling. And, and now they're stuck behind a super cl- uh, slow car again. Everyone's just being a big old asshole on these mountain roads. <laughs> and so Polnareff is getting pissed off again. And so he's just like, you know what? I'm, Or rather, I think the guy signals them to pass him again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Polnareff's just like, okay, fine. I hate, you know whatever jerk and so speeds up real fast passes the car and then oops all of a sudden when they're in the other lane here here comes a big truck out of nowhere (laughs) here comes ready to kill you all big ass truck their car collides with it but only just briefly because star platinum materializes in front of it and punches the truck Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to like absorb the rest of the shock and, and push their, their car out of the way. And by doing that, I mean making it fly 30 feet in the opposite direction. <laughs> but but safely, in a safe way. Yeah, they land on their tires. They're fine. It's yeah, safe. Yeah. Also, the, the slow motion on a, a Star Platinum's punch, I think, is too slow. It just feels <laughs> really low impact. Like It does. Just, just a little baby tap to save the day. Yeah, he's just that strong. When you're so used to all of Star Platinum's strikes being just devastating, uh, it doesn't carry that weight. Yeah, it doesn't. It's like he's measuring the distance to to wind up for the real hit. <laughs> yeah. And like the car just lands on its tires. But what I would have really liked to have seen, because it 
would have fit into the rules of Star Platinum is just having him materialize underneath the car so he just grabs it with his hands. Yes. And just like catches it. That would have worked too. I love all of the times when Star Platinum acts as basically like power armor for Jotaro. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when, when he's jumping around between the cable cars in the Yellow Temperance fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those bits are cool. It's it's interesting how they make Star Platinum really cool and like always fun to see what it's going to do, even though it's just a punch man. <laughs> <laughs> Anne is mesmerized. She thinks that leaving truckers for dead is just the dreamiest fucking thing. <laughs> she is all up in her childhood crush on Jotaro. Mm-hmm. So, so they continue down the path, but ahead of them is this mysterious car who first rams a wayfinding <laughs> sign that says, you know, Pakistan to the left until it spins around and says, Pakistan to the right. <laughs> this is wacky races now. Yeah, this is the wacky races of like some Looney Tunes shit. It's so goofy. And the best part is the driver, who we know exists, doesn't get out of the car. No, he rams the sign with his car just right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, fades to black. And later on, they have taken the bait. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're like, man, this is taking forever. Uh, And they they find a pit stop that they stop to take a break at and ask ask for directions and all that. And there's just tons of big, beefy, ominous men here. Any of these guys Mm -hmm. could be the bad guy. They all fit the bill. (laughs) Uh, We get yet another snack. We get some sugarcane juice, fresh Mm. squeezed. Mm -hmm. When Joseph gets the the juice and he's lifting the glass up to to take a drink, he (laughs) sees the reflection of the evil car in the glass. Yes, yes. I like this integration of the snack tourism in the plot via reflection. (laughs) Very good. So they immediately run over to this car to check it out, and the driver in, is, is missing. It's it's empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they immediately run back in and go, wow, all of these guys look exactly like every evil stand user has looked for the most part so far. Uh, which one is if it? If you wear accessories, you are a suspect. Everyone here. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, okay, how do we figure out which guy's a stand user? Well, we hate to get innocent people involved, but let's just beat all of them up. <laughs> and so they beat all of the guys up. Uh-huh. Or rather, Jotaro and Joseph just start beating the shit out of dudes. And Polnareff, too. And Kakuma is just like, oh, boy, uh-oh, guys. Oh, jeez. Don't do that. <laughs> and as they're beating up all these dudes, they hear the car start up, and then they look behind them, and yeah, the actual stand user has already gotten in the car and, dri- and, and driven off, mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. peels out. They only get a glimpse of his huge, veiny, beefy arm. Th- this whole thing is kind of like, you know, an action manga version of Duel, the Steven Spielberg <laughs> TV movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've got this big anonymous car well not that big it's it's sort of a sporties 40s roadster it's kind of low profile yeah 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 but th- this car that is personified because you never see the person in it just bearing down and psychologically getting in your head and these dudes are freaking out mm-hmm. and so yeah they all feel like assholes for beating all these random dudes up and so then they just <laughs> they don't say sorry or anything they just drop them to the ground and they just run into their car and and speed up to, to catch up to this this dude mm-hmm. and they they drive past the uh the sign that he the pakistan sign he screwed up he also seemingly uh destroyed the other sign that said danger road closed ahead i love this shot because i i just appreciate the inversion of seeing a sign written in english and then there are japanese subtitles below it explaining you know what yeah. that's supposed to say <laughs> yeah i forgot about that and yeah it's they're fun. like it's nice 
they're like subtitles that are baked into the episode itself. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're they're chasing after this guy. They're on uh, the side of kind of like a mountain path. So there's this really high up sheer cliff, no guardrail. Polnareff is driving really fucking fast. It looks like he's going like 120 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kaki was just looking at the map, going like, "None of this seems right. None of it. No, <laughs> this is wrong." <laughs> They they tried to have Kakuin drive, but uh, he, he was signaling all of his turns, even when they weren't in <laughs> intersections, just when the road curved. Yeah. Everyone oh got really god. irritated. Oh my god. Yeah, even getting Jotaro or uh, Kakuin to drive would be better than Polnareff, and they don't even have their license yet. Like, <laughs> at most, they might have a permit. I don't know how it works in Japan, if, if the permit thing's different there. But, you know, they're, they're rounding this really tight curve. They're like, okay, we're, get, we're finally going to get this bastard. We're going to get him. When they reach the end of the curve, the car is gone. And instead, oops, here comes a sheer cliff in a, like a decrepit wood uh, rope bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're able to stop just in time right before they, they go off this, this sheer cliff. Uh, and then, oops, the car's behind them now, ramming them. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, there's no explanation how everyone is shocked that the car is seemed to disappear and is suddenly behind them. Uh, in a moment, we get a shot of like tire tre- uh, tread marks up along the cliff behind them. Yes. Because it's sort of like a terrace. There's a cliff up on one side, cliff down on the other. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, now they're getting a friendly push. And this has gone from uh, Duel to Furious 7. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is yeah. Brian hanging off of the, the bus after rescuing Ramsey. <laughs> so I, I do have to point out, I've, I, I want to take a pause and uh-huh. say that if I have counted out the, the schedule properly, mm-hmm. this episode that, that we're recording right now will be heard by people on June the 21st, mm. which is the day before a holiday I am trying to, to <laughs> uh, get people to recognize this year, Fast Tuesday. Tomorrow, Tuesday the 22nd of June, is the 20th anniversary of the Fast and the Furious hitting theaters. Ooh. So I want to encourage everybody to celebrate in whatever way feels good to them. Maybe you steal from some sort of a drug lord kingpin. Uh, maybe you just drive a little recklessly. Maybe you get expelled from the LAPD and then hired as an undercover FBI agent. Or you just make some particularly terrible tuna sandwiches. Whatever the Fast and the Furious means to you, I just want you to indulge that tomorrow and uh, enjoy the 20th anniversary. <laughs> For me to be able to celebrate this, I'm going to have to do a lot of catch-up because I've only ever seen the first Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> I really got to catch. It's something I've always been thinking, like, I should probably really watch the rest of these because every, I don't know, like two years or so th- when a new one comes out, year and a half, it feels like they come out pretty quick. I mean, there's like, what, nine of them now? The ninth numbered one comes out later this summer. Uh, it depends on if you want to count Hobbs and Shaw, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> right. But I mean, there, there's also the uh, uh, promotional short for Too Fast, Too Furious that takes place between the first two films. Mm. Also, the Vin Diesel directed short that was tied to <laughs> Fast and Furious that uh, shows what he, Letty, and the rest of the crew are getting up to in the DR between the first and fourth films. Mm. And another mid-episode correction. Uh, I did neglect to mention Better Luck Tomorrow, Justin Lin's 2002 film that introduced the world to the character of Han and is one of the most underappreciated segments of the Fast and the Furious saga. I can only blame my post-vax brain fog. But it cleared up by that evening. Maybe we should have recorded then. Yeah, because every time I've seen trailers for each 
each movie i'm like this looks pretty good and then for some reason i don't watch it so <laughs> i should probably get around to it i think fast five through Fur- through furious seven is the greatest action trilogy uh ever put to film oh wow like perhaps the best trilogy ever put to film like it's that mm. or like uh the richard link letter before sunset stuff like <laughs> Well, once I finish watching all the Saw movies, maybe I'll watch, <laughs> which have about the uh, same amount of movies, I think. <laughs> Jojo and the gang are getting rammed by this evil devil car. Mm-hmm. Everyone's freaking out. Even like you get shots of, of Jotaro and he's just like sweating and terrified looking. And Ponov's like, oh, fuck, we got to get out of this car. And so he starts unbuckling his seatbelt and while in his panic, lets go of the brake. Mm-hmm. And Kaku is like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? You can't get out first. You're the driver. You have to hold the brake down. And the whole time he's saying this, he could have been taking off his seatbelt as well. He could have like <laughs> sent out Hierophant Green to lock up the axle or something. Yeah, yeah. No, you just want to feel smart and then and, and talk <laughs> and make sure everybody knows you're the, the smarty pants here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they get pushed off the cliff. They are falling to their deaths. And as they're falling, Kakyoin calls out Hierophant Green and tries to shoot out to grab the cliff. But Joseph's like, oh, fuck, dude, I know your sand is not strong enough for this. If you do that, it's just going to tear its body apart and you will fucking die. But, you know, Kakyoin, the the good boy he is, he's got a plan. Mm -hmm. He's not going to suspend the car with the body of Hierophant Green. No, Mm -hmm. he's just sending Hierophant Green out with the winch cable Mm -hmm. to hook onto the other car. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Like, everyone's immediately calm and cool and collected again, and Jotaro asks Kakuin, like, hey, do you like sumo? Do you like the sumo matches where there's a deadlock right at the edge of the ring? And what he's doing is supposed to kind of mirror, I guess, sumo a little bit, like a mm-hmm. reversal, putting the, uh, the guy in the inside and throwing him on the outside or whatever. But he he sends out Star Platinum, grabs the winch cable, tugs on it real hard. So that the whole car just, like, flies straight up. Uh, at the same time is sending the other car down and so that he can also like when both cars meet up midair he punches the car so it goes flying down to the ground mm-hmm. down to the, the the canyon below uh and it fucking explodes i love this i love this because jojo doesn't just like save the day he does mm-hmm. it by like extending an invitation to like share in fandom <laughs> it's a really fun character note like yeah Hey, hey, guys! I'm gonna I'm gonna help us all out, but also for future reference, if you want to nerd out about one of my interests, I'm opening up to you. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> it is a funny thing. Like we we had in the recap podcast before this one, where we talked a little bit about how you know you can get some inklings that Jotaro might just be kind of a nerd. Mm-hmm. He likes RC cars. He's he's reading fucking Shonen Jump. Uh, in the jail cell but yeah now he, he just brings up sumo and there's a couple other things that we get later on that are kind of like this where it's just like oh you're just a dweeb look at you <laughs> back up on the road in safety the the crew is very happy very pleased with themselves for executing a guy over road rage like th- <laughs> there have been debates up to this point whether this guy is like a, an enemy stand user sent to kill them or just an asshole and they do not know to this yeah. point they're they, just happy he's dead either way. And then the instant they're done saying that, their car radio turns on and th- and through it is just a guy going like, Hey, I'm a stand user. Fuck you. 
I was I was able to do all that crazy shit because I'm a stand user. Uh, so this is where the fight begins in earnest. Mm-hmm. And to take a step back, like philosophically, you know, a, a film plots or, or you know a television plots logic needs to hang together well enough that you don't think about it until like you you leave the parking lot, right? Right. Or to go for the, the Hitchcock quote, you know, when you pull cold chicken out of the icebox or whatever. Yeah. Hitchcock, your life sounds sad. <laughs> but this is one of the few that does not clear that bar for me. <laughs> Once the fight really begins, I don't understand why it takes this long. <laughs> yeah. After they hear that message coming out from the, the radio, you know, they start to theorize like, oh, wait, maybe the car itself is just the stand. Maybe it's just like strength. Maybe this is a rerun. <laughs> yeah. They say protecting Anne from sure doom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hear the guy introduce himself through the radio as his he is Wheel of Fortune. That is his stand. Wheel of Fortune represents destiny, fortune, success, elevation, luck, felicity. It also represents wheels. It's the car one. <laughs> yep. It's the wheel one. So yeah, the ground starts rumbling uh, and they have to get out of the way because all of a sudden the ground underneath their car starts to crumble. The Wheel of Fortune stand car just erupts from the ground, sends their car like careening into the the canyon below and it it explodes. Mm -hmm. And the car is all, you know, damaged and the the, the Wheel of Fortune car is all damaged and, and messed up and stuff, but it just very quickly like regenerates. It reshapes itself into a more e- an even more e- evil looking car now. Yeah, it goes from a real car into uh, it, it's spiky, it's angry, it, it's a very fantastical car. It's not as cool as the one Utena turns into in Adolescence of Utena, <laughs> but that's it's okay. What is? It's the coolest car ever. Yeah. The car starts driving towards Jotaro and he thinks... Well, I'm just going to punch it really hard. Yeah. As, as he does. But before uh, the car can even get in range for him to punch, all of a sudden, like, multiple uh, wounds just open up on Jotaro's body. Just big circular wounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't know exactly what happens because whatever's happening is so fast. The blood gooshes, as it is wont to do. Always mm-hmm. the blood gooshing. Everyone's getting sh- getting shot by, you know, something. They're, they're all getting gross wounds open up all over their bodies. Uh, it's not like lethal shots wherever they're getting hit with. They're like pretty shallow wounds, but it fucking hurts anyways. And so at this point, because they, they can't even hit it, they just decide, okay, it's time to run away from the car. Yeah, everyone is preaching caution. It, it's clearly got some sort of power. We don't know what it is. Let's run away. <laughs> yeah. There's a small like area, like alley between two mountains or hills that they're able to squeeze through that's too too small for the car to get through or so yes, they think. Yes, they, they squeeze into this narrow gorge. Yeah. But when you know it, Anne's tiny clumsy legs fail her and she collapses <laughs> as the, the car forces its way into the tiny narrow gorge. Yeah, it's so it has like bumpers that are kind of like spiky bug mandibles almost. It's like chewing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. chewing through rock. It's uh, the hubcaps on its tires have just single really big sharp spikes on them and it can move the the tires in a way that's almost like paws almost so it's kind of like clawing its way through and climbing but in into this little area it's an evil cartoon car it's an evil cartoon car yeah yeah i i like the um the like row of uh spikes going up the middle of the car like almost like it's a mohawk (laughs) (laughs) but they they climb up the side of this wall uh, this rock wall, and they're kind of up on like a plateau now. And like, okay, surely we are really high up. The car cannot get us here. But that's after Anne, after falling on her face, 
just starts screaming about how she's worthless and unwanted and she, she has no home to go back to. All she wanted to do was see the world and, and now she's going to die in a gorge somewhere in the mountains of Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And then Jotaro rushes down, picks her up and says, if you have time to say all that, you have time to run, which is a fucking rich quote coming from this show. <laughs> yeah, You know how much time it takes to say all that? <laughs> Literally zero time. Speaking mm-hmm. takes no time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they've climbed on top of this plateau and the car is now climbing up after them as well because it, it just has grown spikes out of its tires. And so it's just driving straight up the sheer cliff mm-hmm. and the, the car is like ramping it, launching over the, the edge here. Jotaro thinks, ah, yes, the, the stand's weakness must be the soft car underbelly. <laughs> I'm The instant it flies over this ledge... I'm going to punch it in its tummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the car tummy, naturally. The car tummy. And this whole time that the stand user is one of the the cackling evil, like gleeful over violence types, you know? Yeah. All, all these uh, obscene threats of, of violence and, and how much fun it's going to have doing all of the violence. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like these guys always get uh, paired up when it's like JoJo's turn to do the big punching. Because oh, yeah. like... It's just that much fun to see them get taken apart uh, as opposed to, you know, the smooth ones or the sneaky ones. It, it's the mm. ones that love hurting that you want to see get hurt. Yeah. But yeah, as Jotaro is about to go in for the big punch, you know, we're still not seeing the driver. He's always like he just has a single ex- very expressive muscular arm always hanging out the window. That Incredibly does all the talking muscular. For him. It's huge. <laughs> It's huge. It's the biggest arm we've seen not on a pillar man. (laughs) Yeah. He goes like, oh, are you sure you want to punch me? Have you like been paying attention to those wounds I gave you earlier? You know, what does it smell like? And they realize that they've they're all covered in gasoline. Mm -hmm. The car has been shooting at very high velocity, small globs of gasoline at them. It's like (laughs) embedded in their flesh now. Mm hmm. And so he's like, okay, well, that's part one of my plan. Here's part two. And he just tears off a cable on his stand. And he's just like, I'm just going to use the electricity from that my stand generates, mm-hmm. apparently, because it's a real car. Cars also. got batteries. Yeah. Cars got batteries. Uh, and I'm just going to like zap all of you and, you know, just light you on fire. And so he lights Jotaro on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Avdol died so that enemy stands could plausibly use fire against the heroes. Mm-hmm. This is also the first time fire has hurt anyone, and it looks yes. excruciating. Yeah, like you, you get animation. Jojo of... looks like he's turning inside out from pain. Just the, the look on his face in profile. Yeah. It's terrifying, actually. Jotaro fall, just falls to the ground, uh, appearing to be dead. Uh, and then Wheel of Fortune guy just points at the camera, and he says, uh, well, part three is over. He literally says that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But as he's gloating over killing Jojo, of course, we hear Jojo say, like, uh, actually, actually, I didn't get owned. Mm-hmm. Hey. And Jojo just, like, appears from underground. Yes. Uh, missing his jacket. Because if you want to defeat a fire attack being thrown at you, you use a body double. It works every time. Every time, man. Yeah, he just took his jacket off and burrowed underground with Star Platinum. <laughs> <laughs> to make it seem like he got owned. I don't know how anybody couldn't tell, because the only way Star Platinum knows how to dig is by punching the ground real big and shouting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this... this. It was one super clean Jotaro-sized hole he punched, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
right underneath the coat. It nearly killed Star Platinum to not do a, a battle cry while doing the big punch. Yeah. Hardest thing he's ever had to do. And so after Jotaro reveals this, and like Wheel of Fortune is just sitting there going like, uh-oh, 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 <laughs> not doing anything else. Mm-hmm. My biggest problem with the fight in this one is like, so there's basically two climaxes to the fight. The first one is just the car chase, and the second one is the stand fight. And I think the one for the car chase is fine, like using the, you know, teaming up both uh, Kakyoin and Jotaro to do the winch and pulling it down and punching it and stuff. I like that one. Mm-hmm. This one is just like, okay, Jotaro burrowed underground. He came back up and went, aha, I burrowed underground. He didn't kill me. And then he just punches the guy a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be like an extra thing to it, to make, but it's just like, I explained that I, you didn't own me and now it's my turn to punch you really hard and then he just fucks the car up and punches the guy out of the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> My problem with this fight is that there is something interesting. There's an interesting idea that this is the only stand user who doesn't reveal his cards, which puts the, the crew totally on the back foot and they get fucked up by overcaution. Mm-hmm. How, however, the way that that happens is there's a bunch of times when Jodro's like, okay, now I'm going to punch him. And somebody says, hey, wait, don't punch him yet. But if at any yes. point he's just like, no, fuck you, I'm going to punch him, the, the fight would be over before it, it started. It, it, yeah, it would have worked out fine. <laughs> it would have been fine. Yeah, and it's like Jotaro talked for a good amount of time about how he his whole burrowing underground thing would work. And it's like, even in the world of, jo- of JoJo, where it's like, you know, it's turn-based, it's my time to talk, you sit here and listen and don't do anything. Mm-hmm. It still feels like it was enough time that this guy could have driven his car somewhere else. He could have r- tried to run Jotaro over. He could have shot him with more gasoline and let him on fire a second time. Especially after we just acknowledged for the first time that talking does take time. It takes place during time. <laughs> yeah. There is a goofy reveal, though, uh, after beating the guy up. And he he finally gets punched out of the car and you get to see who he is. He is His gag, I guess, is that he has giant muscle beefy arms, but the rest of him is very scrawny. He has a mm-hmm. weird shaped head. He's got a little pot belly. Honestly, he kind of looks like Popeye. <laughs> he's just arms. <laughs> yeah. Now that he's punched out of his car, the, the guy is just like a coward and, you know, he can't fight at all or anything. Everyone's just like laughing at him like, oh, look at this little man and his big arms. Yeah. Yeah. The response to somebody begging, please don't kill me, shouldn't be a big group laugh. <laughs> like it's the, <laughs> yeah. the end of family matters or something. No. Yeah. They all they take a look at his car for a second and his car is shrinking and it turns into like a really shitty little Jeep. Mm-hmm. that's really tiny and all fucked up uh, since it's no longer being possessed by the guy's stand. It's just like strength, actually. You see strength when, when the, the monkey is defeated. It just turns into a shitty little like wooden boat. Mm-hmm. It really is just like strength. It's strength part two. <laughs> it's strength part two, yeah. And so because their car's been destroyed, they're like, well, we'll just take this shitty busted-ass car to the next town or whatever. They take this guy... They take the Wheel of Fortune guy and they strap him. They chain him upside down to a boulder mm-hmm. and also had wood and some type of uh, like paint or something to craft a sign next to him that says, hey, I'm a monk. This is uh, me meditating for a very long time. Please don't disturb me. And then they just leave him there. Yeah. They, they give him some punishment by public humiliation. There we go. It's just like uh, young Joseph leaving uh, that Nazi tied upside down to a cactus. Mm-hmm. It's basically the same thing. 
Uh, but before this, speaking of Joseph, he comments on the bizarre, uh, uh, you know, appearance of this stand user by comparing him to a, a sheep that has been shorn. Yeah. And we get a little insert shot of what a sheep looks like, just in case, <laughs> you know, for the viewer's benefit. Yeah, in a way different art Not style. Not everybody's seen a sheep. Yeah, who knows? I learned about sheep through JoJo. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What are these weird hornless goats? My goodness, huh. why is it so hairy? Huh. You're never actually given the name of the Standmaster in this episode until the t- the little card for him shows up for the commercial break. His name is ZZ, as in yes. ZZ Top. Yeah, I think I offhandedly mentioned ZZ Top as a possible mm-hmm. <laughs> band to be referenced in the future back when uh, Voidberger was on the show. Almost literally every single one you listed back then is used in JoJo at some point. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) through part five, at least. Yeah. Nice. But that's not quite the end of the episode. We have to have a cutaway to to Enya, to the old hag Enyaba, as Mm -hmm. uh, she she laments that all of the assassins she sent off. Remember that scene several episodes ago where she names a lot of tarot cards? Mm -hmm. We've seen them all and they've all been defeated. (laughs) Yep. They they probably beat up all your assassins because you forgot to throw down your staff and say, make my stand user grow. Maybe that's the problem. (laughs) Oh, man. But then she vows to take matters into her own hands. She's going to come after them herself with her justice stand to be Anyabad. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of, I, I want to say out of the entire run of Stardust Crusaders, this episode is the one I forget exists the most. <laughs> Every time, because it's like you get the really good Emperor and Hanged Man and then the really funny Empress episode. And then my brain always skips over this one when I remember Stardust, and I always think, oh, the next part is where they, f- you know, the, the two-parter coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always forget about Wheel of Fortune because it's, like, such a throwaway episode. Like, there's some fun stuff in it. Yeah. It's not yeah. bad, but it's just, like, compared to what's come before it, it's not, you know, it does not stand out at all. There there are formulaic episodes. Like, we, we've had this mm-hmm. discussion a few times, but there's something in them that still makes them stand out. Like, there, there's nothing particularly unique about the Yellow Temperance episode, but we keep talking about it because yeah. uh, Rubber Soul is just a fun, cool weirdo, especially when he's pretending to be Kakui. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's tons of memorable bits in that. Well, I don't think any of the, the you know, entertaining parts of the Wheel of Fortune episode are going to bubble up in the memory as we continue through Stardust Crusaders and beyond. Yeah. Although it's so strange that there are such... Even weird coincidental similarities to the strength episode, mm-hmm. like the the fact that both of the stand users are never named in dialogue, only mm. in their title cards, because yeah. they didn't even have names until that uh, uh, fighting game for the PlayStation. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that fighting game is pretty decent, by the way. Weird coincidences. Uh, yeah. And, and also just having Anne again mm-hmm. for that one being threatened all that yeah it's it's the last similarities it's weird but that brings us to episode 14 then justice part one bum, bum, bum. Uh, we start with joseph being the only kid in school who gets his uniform jacket custom tailored all the way from pakistan <laughs> <laughs> oh i think you mean jotaro but yes right i fr- i think this was an anime only thing and not in the manga <laughs> just putting in this little scene to go like how did jojo get his jacket back <laughs> This feels this feels anime only. Yeah. Uh, I think the next scene is too when they put Anne on a plane. I think that was actually in the manga. Oh, yeah. okay. 
Yeah, they're taking Anne and going like, you gotta go home. Didn't you all hear her shouting? She doesn't have a home to go back to. <laughs> no, it was uh, in the previous episode, actually, when she was shouting all that stuff, she was she did have a home. She was just like a runaway and she mm-hmm. was just like lying about everything or something. <laughs> I forget. But well, yeah, maybe she's lying her, about that, too. You ever think of that? It's, it's true. You don't but know like, what situation she's going back to because you can't trust a damn word out of her mouth. Yeah. I bet she never actually stabbed anybody with that knife. She would, though. She'd give it a try. She would do it. But Joseph is is patting Anne on the head going like, you really got to go home. Hanging out with us is like one of the literally most dangerous things you can do in the entire world. <laughs> we beat people up in random roadhouses in the mountains. We're not yeah. nice. Yeah. And, and Joseph's like telling her, give up on running away and, and go home. Um, you know, your parents have got to be super worried. And just staying with us is incredibly dangerous. And no one's after you. Like you're only... <laughs> under the threat of being murdered because you're with us. And so she finally agrees, like, okay, fine, I'll go home. I'll get on this this little plane. But while she's saying her goodbyes, she really doesn't want to go because there's someone uh, uh, missing that she can't say goodbye to. <laughs> Until, yeah. as she looks out the window, her face brightens, and Jojo has arrived in his brand new jacket. And she, she shouts and waves. And, like, I, I love the way Anne sells Jojo as a cool guy. <laughs> uh, not only like as discussed by you know opening him up and, and showing his protector's side, but mm-hmm. just because she vouches for him. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. cool kid says he's cool, so he must be cool, obviously. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this isn't just like JoJo showed up next to the rest of the gang before she left. Like the plane was getting ready to take off and JoJo walked onto the runway so she could see him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as the plane flies away, like he does the faintest of smiles <laughs> in a flagrant disregard for runway safety you're not allowed yeah, to be out be... there well yeah he's cool like... <laughs> so now it is time for the narrator to introduce us to the nation of pakistan mm-hmm. where uh, i do have to correct you they do mention the partition briefly <laughs> oh they do it's in this episode yes. right yes 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 <laughs> But just as a political reality that happened, which is why Pakistan exists, none of the, you know, historical events and and, uh, sectarian traumas that went along with it. Yeah, probably for the better for Jojo. Yeah, I certainly, yes. (laughs) This is not the venue, no. This is not the place for that. So so now they're all loaded up in a jeep that I guess is supposed to be the, the remains of the Wheel of Fortune jeep, but I don't think it looks like that jeep. This looks like a different Jeep to me. <laughs> I think they got a different Jeep because it's a different color. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's different color and, and stuff. It's not a piece of shit. Because <laughs> I think they said in the previous episode they just wanted to like try to get with the, the, their shitty little Jeep, try to get to the next town over so they could get a new a Take new a car. stolen car long enough to last you until you can get a new rental or just buy one. Yeah. Satellite phone to the Speedwagon Foundation. Airlift in a working Jeep, please. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're driving around some... Uh, some more kind of like mountain paths, unpaved and all that. And it's starting to get real foggy. Mm-hmm. Getting real foggy. Visibility is getting pretty low. Jojo's eye is caught by a, a shape in the fog. And he asks himself, was that a dead dog? You better get used to it, dude. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> At least this one's all in one piece. Yeah. Impaled on a spike. But oh, Impaled on a spike. And everyone else is like, hey, what's the matter? <laughs> and Jojo's just like, I, I, nothing, never mind. 
Never mind. Uh, it's it's getting so foggy that they're thinking they're going to have to pull off at the next town, which, hey, there's one like right by them because mm-hmm. they're, they're really high up on this path. Yes. On the side and of this right below flight. them in this gorge yeah. that they're coming around the bend around, they, they are sort of circumnavigating from above this town below that is even mm-hmm. deeper in this thick fog. So now we know why this is Foydberger's favorite JoJo part, like she said. <laughs> Uh, not only is Silent Hill featured, but there's fun sumo trivia. Uh-huh. A lot of her interests are represented. <laughs> it's true. So also, like, when they're deciding to, like, maybe pull off at this town, Polnareff is, like, excited because he can't, he cannot wait to uh, poop. He, he wants to use a toilet because Polnareff is always thinking about using the toilet. And he's mm-hmm. also reminiscing about all the bad toilets he's encountered so far. Yeah, there there are some real bad toilets we didn't even get to see before until Mm -hmm. now when they are drawn in his thought bubble. (laughs) Yeah, his very, very goofy comic book thought bubble that appears above his head. But they get down to the town. It's super foggy down here, too. Mm -hmm. And they they just kind of just stop in the middle of the street near a restaurant uh, to go like, you know, hey, let's just ask somebody here to, to get directions to a hotel or something. Joseph demonstrates another skill that the group lacks since Avdal died. Conversational Arabic. Mm, mm-hmm. probably would be very, very useful for the rest of the trip from here on out. And uh, they ain't got it. <laughs> yeah. Joseph says, assalamu alaikum, like a dude who uh, uh, met somebody deaf and doesn't understand what that means. <laughs> if I just yes. say it louder and slower, no, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny when he, uh, Joseph you know, says this to the guy who's sitting out front of the this restaurant. Because he says it once, and this guy is just stone-faced, arms crossed, not re- reacting to Joseph at all. And so Joseph says it a second time, and this dude just, very matter-of-factly, just reaches over to the open sign, just flips it closed. <laughs> <laughs> and he also has the giant shoulders. And oh, I've yeah. been thinking about them as, like, uh, uh, tires so long that that's just wormed its way into my head. And I see this man as a Transformer. There's no good reason for that, but I do. <laughs> They're asking, trying to ask this guy anything. And all this guy says is, I don't know. He turns around to leave to go back into the restaurant. And Joseph gets a quick glance at the guy's neck, which has uh, a couple of cockroaches crawling over the back. And <laughs> Joseph does like a double take and then like very cartoonishly like rubs his eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, did I see that? And he's just like, no, I must have imagined that. It's- I feel like they dodged a bullet here, right? Because, like, they're they're asking if he knows where to find a nice hotel. And I would not want to stay at any ro- hotel recommended by Roach Man. Yeah, no. No. That's probably where you got the roaches from. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, well, that was a dead end. Let's, you know, let's try to ask other people. They They go to ask this dude who's chilling out leaning up against like this pillar on the side of the road uh and as polnareff goes to talk to him oops this guy's dead already Mm -hmm. he he died with a terrified look on his face his body falls over two uh uh, lizards crawl out of his throat i hope the next person they meet has like bunnies come out of them and they're like oh well that's nice though Now, because there's this, this guy just dead in the middle of the street, and they're, this whole time they've been animating other people walking around in the background and in other places, they're like, why is no one noticing that this dude is super dead? Mm-hmm. And so every Joseph and Jojo both go into like detective mode? Yes, yes. They, <laughs> they find that he is holding a smoking gun, so they figure mm-hmm. that he was alive two to five minutes ago. 
Yeah. Which is a really long time for a gun to still be smoking. Yeah. That's an idiom for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they're trying to determine cause of death and all this. There's no blood anywhere. They, they aren't so much investigating as they are talking about investigating i I get the same vibe as from like an adventuring party that's forgotten they can just roll for investigation (laughs) they're they're trying to get all the free information they can before they start like actually playing the game uh so kakuin shouts for for help he sees a woman with with two kids uh nearby and goes like hey can you call the police this woman turns to looks over her shoulder to look at Kakuin, and she's got a bunch, a lot of weird, disgusting uh, pustules all over her face that are, like, actively bursting. She got Rice Krispie Treat face. Yeah. She got a Rice Krispie Treat face, and uh, they have gone bad. Yeah, it's it's pretty gross. Yeah, Kakuin is, like, trying to, like, get her to call the police. You know, we gotta alert the authorities. There's a dead man in the street. Why doesn't anybody care? And she's like, hey, it's not my problem. She's holding a baby and there's like uh, uh, her son, I guess, just like right behind her with this look on his face. There's no way to describe it. Uh, Yeah, it's a very strange face the kid's got. The baby she's holding is very weird looking too. It's it's all super creepy. (laughs) It's all super creepy and weird. This, uh... this beginning part of this episode, it feels very Junji Ito adjacent because mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. the people are weird. They're behaving strangely in a way where it's like, it's not so strange that you can immediately go like, okay, this is weird. Like, I know this is a nightmare. I'm I'm yeah. like dreaming or something. E- like Everybody it's just here is following some sort of societal rules that I do not understand. Mm-hmm. And may- maybe I'm the weird one. Am, am, am I wrong here? Yeah. So yeah, Kakiwi is just really weirded out. He's like, did no one hear, even hear this gunshot or something? And while he's thinking that, the camera's panning around different people. Uh, it pans to that dog that mm-hmm. Jojo saw earlier, except now it's not on the pike. It's alive. It's got a hilariously strange face. I've never seen this breed of dog before. <laughs> it is a fucking weird looking dog. <laughs> <laughs> this is the weirdest dog of all. Of, of it all. has the it has the longest face, <laughs> but it's also the widest face. It is just a big oval with the tiniest eyes up on like its forehead almost. It is it, an incredibly strange dog. <laughs> this dog was drawn by a precocious child as, as some sort of contest entry. I so the whole gang is just going like, man, th- there's something really off about this town. And Polnareff literally go- just goes like, man, it's so foggy here. Hey, doesn't that part of the fog look like a skull? <laughs> so yeah, they, they look up in the sky and there's sort of like, yeah, if you're, if you're the, the type to look at clouds, it looks kind of like a skull. They don't seem to notice that it coalesces into a much more defined skull with a pair of hands. Yeah. The justice stand was Andros all along. That shot seems specifically just for the audience that they've already looked away or something. But yeah, it forms like a literal skull with floating hands. Uh, that's it, The skull is also wearing a very tall crown, mm-hmm. by the way. It's the yeah. king of the skulls. But the gang goes back to talking about investigating. Like, okay, if there's a stand user here, why would they kill somebody even before we were, you know, even near the town? Mm-hmm. Just as bait, like, why would they do that? So Joseph actually does take a role. He gets a, a 24 on his check, gets some very enlightening <laughs> details. Uh, th- this dead man was also a traveler. His pockets are full of Indian currency. He finds the deadly wound. Uh, it's very large, uh, although there there is no blood whatsoever. That's interesting. Yeah. 
And the the wound is just a very perfect, clean, just circular hole pierced right through this guy's chest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like a stab wound or anything. It's just a perfect hole. And and it's a couple inches wide. Like, it, it's like it's a huge. hockey puck came out of these guys. Yeah. JoJo's thinking, like, okay, we need to investigate the rest of this guy's body. Takes the dude's shirt off, and he has, like, dozens of these holes all over him. Mm-hmm. And again, no blood anywhere. I mean, and Polnareff is freaking out, acting like he didn't make someone look exactly like that <laughs> last week. Oh, shit, wait a minute. Yeah. This is what I'm thinking Justice does. is It's just giving everybody the same wounds that Polnareff gave Centerfold mm. because it's Enyaba's fucking vengeance. Mm-hmm. Dark justice. That is not what's happening, but it would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. After seeing all those holes, Joseph immediately goes, this is way too fucking suspicious. Uh, we're leaving. We're, we're leaving this town. There's clearly a stand <laughs> user of some sort here or something bad's going on. So he runs to the Jeep and uh, puts his hand on the side of the door and goes to do like the cool way of getting to a Jeep by just hopping over the side of it and Hell just landing yes. in the seat. And we get the most dynamic, mo- like, moving perspective camera swinging around a moving character. Super smooth. It looks so good. <laughs> this is the best looking shot in all of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to this point. And it's just <laughs> Joseph trying to vault over a door that transforms <laughs> into a spiked gate. Much like the fence that finally impaled Centerfold. My brain is working. I'm wrong, but my brain uh-huh. is working. Yeah. It, it feels very much like that at the start here. So yeah, Joseph's just doing like this pommel horse routine as he realizes too late that he, he's above deadly spikes and starts freaking out. <laughs> yeah, he, he throws out Hierophant, uh, or not Hierophant, uh, Hermit Purple to just wrap around a pole so that he doesn't impale himself on this fence. And everyone else, and, and Jojo is just like, you know, what the fuck are you doing, old man? You thought that was the Jeep? <laughs> That's a fence. The Jeep's over there. And and Joseph just like, I could have sworn to God that was the Jeep. It was right here. Jodoro, we, we have to talk about uh, uh, finding a facility for your grandfather. He thought oh, a fence man. was a Jeep. Oh, man. And as they're, you know, as Joseph is calming down from almost fucking dying, mm-hmm. we, we see a, a small figure appear in the fog, approach them. And it's in, it's Enya, it's Enyaba. And she is doing uh, this pleasant, kind old lady act that must be killing her inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everyone's just like relieved, like, oh, thank God, you know, somebody we can talk to who will actually give us information we see some some police have actually arrived with a stretcher to take the dead guy away. Mm-hmm. Polnareff is remarking, man, this town is really creepy as we get multiple shots of other citizens who have the weirdest malformed <laughs> faces. Yes. Very strange. And this is why I'm thinking that uh, uh, the opening uh, anime-only scene with the coat is more than just about the coat. Because mm-hmm. in a very, like, we love travel, peoples is peoples, we're, we're finding uh, uh, lovely times and, and lovely people everywhere, it seems like a really sour note that the first people you see in Pakistan are these fucking monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's disgusting and awful, and, like, there is a twist at the end of Justice Part 2 that sort of explains what's up with this place. Mm-hmm. But for now, it's good to have, like, also, there's a there's a lovely seamstress that uh, does rush jobs on the double and does does great work. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see that being another reason why they, they added that. Because, like, 
it's it's dulled a little bit. Also, I think it's just because the art style is a little bit different from for the anime compared to how you know each chapter of the manga looked as it was being made. Um, especially when Araki wants to depict someone is evil or something, if they're not incredibly gorgeous or super buff, uh, they're frequently like very ugly or strange looking. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in the parts of JoJo where you're going to other countries and stuff, that gets that feels like it's riding up right up against the edge of just looking like a racist caricature a lot of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which, yeah, maybe that's why they added that lady the start for this one. Because uh, otherwise, yeah, it's it's a little bad. Bad portrayal of uh, Pakistani people. But uh, Enya's story is that she is the proprietor of the local hotel. Her bed and breakfast. I do mm-hmm. tend to assume any bed and breakfast owner is some manner of foul sorceress. So this tracks. <laughs> uh, but But she walks them over to exactly what they've been looking for. A comfy, cozy hotel. She's always downplaying it as, you know, this little place i run on on my own but it's a massive hotel it's it's a huge hotel (laughs) it's Uh, multiple floors there's a giant grand ballroom we'll be spending a lot of time in mm -hmm. uh the the lobby has its own little desk and is a huge open space on its own she is is talking about the history of this place with a series of ridiculous lies yeah like she reveals that she's just joking because she's you know trying to keep up this friendly grandma persona. But yeah, she Which says I would have appreciated earlier because by that point I'd already paused the episode, spent 10, 15 <laughs> minutes researching just how ludicrous are these lies. And then I get uh, back to the episode. Oh, I'm just pulling your your leg. Fuck you. Yeah, because she claims uh, a scene in uh, one of the James Bond movies was filmed here. And also that John Lennon had stayed there in the past. Now, she says that the Bond film was filmed there 20 years ago. That is false. Uh, Pakistan uh-huh. did not appear on film in a James Bond movie until 1987. Mm. Which is not 20 years ago <laughs> during these events. Mm-hmm. Also, when John Lennon came through the country, it was with the Beatles' first wor- world tour. That's the only mention of them being in Pakistan that I can think of uh, that I was able to find until I got bored. <laughs> so it wasn't just John, it was all four of them in Karachi. Yeah. I would never be fooled by this obvious joke. <laughs> the instant after she says that, we get a cutaway opponent going, like, wow, really? And then she just goes, no. <laughs> I- I'm joking. It is a nice hotel, though, she says. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really funny seeing Enya throughout this part because her face is drawn differently to make her look like a nicer old lady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Jojo is immediately suspicious of her. Oh, yes. And he goes like, hey, did you just call me Joestar? <laughs> and then we get a quick cutaway. And she's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm caught already. How, and Joe's just asking, like, how do you know my name? How do you know the Joe Star name already? But she's able to play it off saying that, oh, one, one of your uh, co- companions said it. You know, I've got sharp ears, service industry and all. And mm-hmm. nobody else has been paying that close attention to uh, their, their speech. And they're like, uh, believable. You know, I, I might have said it. I don't know. Don't mm-hmm. worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. And also, like, you can, you can see in this shot, but also Polnareff points it out. Her left hand is completely covered up in bandages, and it's to hide her reversed hand. That, that her left hand is the second right hand. Yeah. Polnareff is, you know, asking her about that, and, and 
like being kind of like playful and, and joking with her and saying like, you know, you don't even look a, a day over like 40 or whatever, just being trying to like charm her and stuff. And she has to play along with this. And this happens a lot throughout these two parts where she has to be really nice and like, you know, friendly with Polnareff and it, you constantly get cutaways of her just fucking hating it. <laughs> She's screaming inside constantly. Especially because Polnareff is being extremely friendly and nice to her all the time. <laughs> And if you want to see a young muscle hunk seduce a geriatric husk of a, of a witch, go listen to Sex Archie. <laughs> They're coming inside to the this hotel now. Uh, they're signing the guest book. Mm-hmm. Polnareff makes a joke to write down his name because he's he's referencing the joke about the Beatles saying that or or John Lennon saying, saying there earlier. He says, "Oh yeah, write me down as Polnareff." <laughs> Please, he's obviously the Ringo of the group. <laughs> and the other three are all George. You know, thinking about it, I don't think there are any Beatles stands in JoJo. I mean, there's Rubber Soul. I mean, oh, no, no, wait. Yeah, there's Rubber Soul. Never mind. I always, it's, I just I always forget about Rubber Soul. Never mind then. <laughs> we just talked about him like 20 minutes we ago. We did. And yeah, I already forgot. Yeah, everyone's getting settled into their rooms. Kakuin and, and Joseph are checking to see if their TV works in case they need to use Hermit Purple on it. And then Polnareff, doing Polnareff things, says, Hey, I'm going to use the toilet. <laughs> it's time for me to use a toilet. I love that Kakuin's TV repair technique is to just karate chop it. <laughs> yeah. Gently, even. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe for a second that Hermit Purple can't work on a broken TV. We've seen some of the things it can make an image out of. It just like build a picture out of static. Come on, give it a yeah. shot. Yeah, it's it's probably just they haven't even tried. They don't actually know that it won't work. <laughs> but as all, all all the gang are doing their their individual things, uh, we see a no, a new person step into the hotel. Uh, it's Whole Horse. He's not in the title. Wait a minute. Whole Horse is back. Th- th- this is not Emperor and Justice Part 1. Wasn't expecting <laughs> to see you here. <laughs> he finds en- Enya at the entrance uh, and like holds her hand and you know apologizes and, and says, I'm so sorry that uh, you know your son has been killed and all that. And she puts on the waterworks, runs into a different room, mm-hmm. uh, and-, and Whole Horse follows. I mean, a lot of seniors really do appreciate visitors just this much or even more, but they're too proud to show it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she's like bent over a chair facing away from him crying. And she starts asking Whole Horse all these questions like, you know, were you close with my son? Were you like best friends? You know, uh, will you avenge him? Is that why you, you've come here to help me avenge my son? And he keep, and Whole Horse, you know, keeps playing up going like, oh, yeah, I was great friends with your son. I'm so sad he's gone. And all this dumb shit. Uh, and he turns around and she's got a pair of giant fucking scissors. And she just stabs him clean through his wrist. Yeah, she sure fucking does. And then she licks the scissors because we've always got to have blades on tongues all the time. Uh-huh. Every time. And it's not even really like she just stabs whole horse uh, on the wrist. She like twists it and <laughs> rocks it back and forth to get mm-hmm. it really good. And like all the way through his, his arm. But now we we learn the true power of justice, which is to make wounds bigger, but not bloody. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredibly creepy. It's very creepy. Like there is some real body horror going on and and not in like the disgusting gross out, but like it's creepy that this could happen to a body, right? Yeah. But I don't know if it's that dangerous (laughs) is the thing. Mm Mm-hmm. She she goes to introduce whole horse to justice before she even introduces it to the rest of the gang. Mm-hmm. 
The, the Justice Tarot card stands for equity, righteousness, probity, the, the executive, a triumph of the deserving side in law. Like, mm. I, I think this is an ironic choice, perhaps yes. pointing toward uh, uh, Enya's twisted sense of justice, how, how she has such a blind spot regarding her wretched monster of a son. Mm-hmm. So what justice does is... Any wounds are made in a person. Uh, the fog f- from her stand uh, will enter that wound and, yeah, turn it into a perfect bloodless circular wound, which then the fog can hook through and use it to puppet people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, whole horse trying to run away, but the fog has grabbed onto the hole in his wrist and is now starting to co- uh, take over and control his arm. And Enya declares that Whole Horse will now die by his own hand, taken much more literally than usual, as he <laughs> shoves his fist down his throat to suffocate himself. And depending which which version uh, of this this anime you're watching, uh, you get different colors of puke because he he fucking he throws up after his hand gets jammed down his throat. Uh, in the censored Japanese version, you get shiny purple puke <laughs> instead of normal like brownish green puke (laughs) but that's not how she's going to execute him no he pulls out his hand he summons the emperor uh in order to to shoot her and defend himself but she uh uh, uses justice to point the gun at his own forehead and he fires and falls uh uh, limp i don't Mm -hmm. believe he's dead Mm -hmm. as we know (laughs) he has absolute control of the bullet i think he is playing possum Uh uh-huh but thus ends Justice Part 1, the first real fightless episode since we left Japan. Yeah, I guess so. The, the, the only other thing that happens in the episode is just that everyone's on the top of the stairs going like, what was that sound? And Polnareff's just going like, hey, I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. I'll be yeah. in the lobby. But yeah, that, that is the, the end there. It, this feels like instead of being two like, 23, 24-minute episodes, if it had an extra couple minutes for one episode, they could probably fit it into one thing, but... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, episode 15, Justice Part 2. Enya ha- has taken part of her, her vengeance, but then Polnareff comes downstairs, and she's worried that her her full vengeance will be lost, ruined, because she already got a little bit, you know, as a treat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very afraid he's going to see the, the dead body of Whole Horse just there by the couch. Polnareff comes knocking on the side door and, and, and walks in, and Enya is distracting Polnareff from seeing a whole horse's body in the other side of the room by, like, pretending that, you know, oh, me, a clumsy old woman, I fell. Like, mm-hmm. the, the table, the chair is knocked over. She's on the floor. So while she is just chatting, keep, keeping up a, a rapport so that his, you know, gaze does not roam the room, uh, Justice continues, like, dragging a, a whole horse under the furniture out of sight. And mm-hmm. I was not expecting a murder farce. This is fun. <laughs> Yeah, th- a little th- bit I of like... hamon and old lace. <laughs> yeah, Polnareff is, you know, again, being very friendly and nice to this old lady. And she's just trying to do everything she can to get Polnareff to, to leave. Mm-hmm. Because while she's got like this strong stand, you know, she's super frail. She is thinking this is really only going to work out if she can take everybody out one by one, like divided. Yeah, yeah. There's no way she could handle everybody like in an actual head-to-head fight uh and Polnareff is starting to hit a bunch of sore spots because he's going like oh you know you said that you run this place all by yourself but don't you have any 
you know, family to, to come help you out or anything? You got any grandkids or anything? Boy, it should be, you know, lovely if you had grandkids just run, running around these halls, you know, keep them from feeling so empty mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, just rubbing it in that, like, you know, her son is dead and she's just getting super pissed off. If this was it's, anyone else, I would think that all this son talk was part of a plan. Yes. But no, it's definitely not. <laughs> it's just Paul Ref and he's dumb as hell. Uh, also, what one of her like mental cutaways, her, her internal monologue, uh, uh, declaring silently that I'll turn you into a puppet of justice, which is a great line. It sounds like it's from uh, uh, Ghost Rider Three to me, but it's still <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, and yeah, like Polnareff like put Enya in a chair, and he's trying to give her like a shoulder massage, and he, you know, he's just like saying like, "Well, just for today, think of me like your as your son or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to take care of you." And she is just losing her shit. Uh, and bef- and she's really, like, trying to hold back on just stabbing Polnareff right now. But, uh, oops, yeah, Whole Horse is still alive. He crawls Called out it. from... Hell yes. He crawls out from underneath the couch, like, pretty injured, bleeding. And he just, like, is barely able to utter, like, to Polnareff, like, fuck it, get out of here, dude. He has to turn around to see that. And Enya leaps out of the chair with her big scissors to come... To, to stab Polnareff in the back. Uh, Silver Chariot comes out and they fence? <laughs> yeah, they fence uh, uh, Rapier versus a uh, big pair of scissors. If you can parry Silver Chariot with scissors, you are the greatest fencer of all time. <laughs> yeah. That's all there is to it. And so now Polnareff is trying to like go get everyone else's attention and go like, oh shit, some bad shit's going down. But before he can, uh, the entrance to the hotel has been completely filled with people from the town. They're, they are all being puppeted by justice all at the same time, like hundreds of, and hundreds of dead people, mm-hmm. including the weird goofy dog. He's here too. Yes, of course the goofy dog has to be here. Uh, the, the dead guy they observed earlier in the previous episode is also here. And also a baby full of holes. A baby full of holes. We're yep. just going a whole hog on here. We're going to show a very hole-filled baby. Mm-hmm. And, and so Whole Horse is trying to inform Polnareff on how justice works and all this. All the, the, the random puppeted uh, zombie people are coming after Polnareff not to, like, scratch at him or anything. Now their tongues are, like, really pointy. Yeah, yeah. They got stabby tongues. You know, I'm starting to wonder if maybe it's the the two right-handed family that has a, a toilet attack obsession, you know? <laughs> it's not Polnareff's yeah. fault he has, you know, a digestive system. He's going to be in there once in a while. It's their choice to keep attacking him there. And so Polnareff is running away from all of this, uh, and Yaba is, like, keeping pace with him. She's running extremely, <laughs> extremely fast. <laughs> And it's like a really funny shot of like Polnareff looking behind himself and seeing Enyaba like two steps behind him and then just like freaking out. But yeah, he is run into a, a side room here, like a hallway, barred the door with a chair under the, the doorknob. And he's just trying to find a place to hide. And of course, the place he finds to hide is the bathroom. A very gross bathroom. Really gross bathroom. Real, real you know. bad. Real gross. And you know, it's, it's one of those squatting toilets too. Mm-hmm. This is uh, tactically... A smart place to be you know there's only one entrance or exit when you're fighting a crowd i think silver chariot would have a decent chance with like uh, uh using this doorway as a choke point yeah he doesn't yeah, think to do that though <laughs> no that's because polnareff is dumb <laughs> and they, they outsmart him by just not attacking they just back off and wait and wait for him to overthink it and make a mistake 
Mm-hmm. That mistake is him like peeking out of the keyhole to watch them waiting for him. And then, yeah, I, I think it's the original dead guy with the lizards, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Dead guy with the lizards comes right up to the keyhole and uses his sharpened attack tongue to pierce <laughs> through the keyhole and through Polnareff's tongue. Ugh. And this this is the wound that Enya's been waiting for to turn into a puppetable hole. And so, yes, Polnareff, the Frenchman, his death came at uh, uh, some tongue-on-tongue uh, action. <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's super gross because now he's got that perfect hole in his tongue. Mm-hmm. It's nasty. Enya's super happy jumping up and down. The fog has grabbed hold of, of his tongue and it's like... Pulling him and smashing his face up against the door and is pulling him so hard that it's going to, like, crush his face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, she instructs all of the zombie people that she is puppeting to laugh all at once, and so they do. <laughs> <laughs> and so then uh, Polnareff is subject to probably the edgiest WWE match stipulation. <laughs> He is forced to clean the whole toilet with his tongue, and and you just keep shouting, lick it up, lick it up. I was not expecting a Spinal Tap reference of all the bands <laughs> to come out of JoJo, but maybe I should have. Yes, I know Lick It Up was a Kiss song, but if you will recall, it is express bizarre podcast Dogs Must Die policy to give no respect whatsoever to Gene Simmons. The, the show's trying to ramp up the tension of, like, will Polnareff be forced to lick the gross toilet? Mm-hmm. And it's just constant shot and reverse shot of his terrified face and a close-up of his wriggling tongue getting ever just inching closer and closer and closer to the toilet. Tugged along by these wisps of fog. Yeah. But there's also the tension of when are the other three going to notice Mm-hmm. When are they going to hear something or, or, you know, want a glass of water or something? Yeah. Just before Polnareff is going to be forced to lick the toilet, the door to the area outside of the hallway gets kicked open by Jojo. He's here now. And now Enya has had to very quickly, like, shut the door to that hallway and clean everything up to make it seem like nothing weird is going on. Damn, those zombies hide fast, though. Yeah. Where'd they all go? And Enya's immediately thinking to herself, like, oh, man, this is going to be way harder to deal with. I can't play things the way I did with Polnareff because Jojo isn't dumb. <laughs> she straight up, like, the, the show just straight up acknowledges that Polnareff is a dumbass. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she's thinking that she can't do, she can't make up any super weird lies or anything. So she's just going to more just lie by omission and go like, oh, I know where Polnareff is. He's in the bathroom right now, right Mm -hmm. over there. Yeah, yeah. And as Jojo is going to open the door, she's planning to stab him in the back with the scissors. Right, while his back, while his back is turned so he can turn the doorknob. Mm -hmm. Basic, basic stuff. Mm -hmm. As he's about to do that, she pulls out the scissors, goes to stab him. And Jojo, already catching on to all this shit, just like just slightly shifts his body so that he trips her and she almost stabs herself in the eyeball with her own scissors. Yeah, yeah. While he asks a question so forceful, she nearly dies. Yeah. (laughs) He's not really hiding that he's already caught on. He's just like, oh, no, why did you, you know, it's dangerous to run with scissors. You could hurt yourself. Thank goodness you didn't get hurt. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this all, yet again, revolves around his name, because she called him Jotaro. 
Mm-hmm. And he never introduced himself as Jotaro. None of the companions ever used that name Jotaro out loud. He made sure of it after the thing with uh, her knowing the name Joestar. And so mm-hmm. she thinks quick yet again. Like, oh, 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 oh. Uh, well, you wrote your name down in the guest book, obviously. Everyone did. And so he's like, oh, yeah, this guest book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had already pocketed it and pulls it out for dramatic effect. Uh, where I sign my name as Q. Q-Taro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just Q-Taro. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got her. Immediately goes like, okay, I know you're the stand user that's, that's after us. Like, I've known basically since the start, but I just wanted to confirm it. And he puts this down to his uh, uh, childhood watching Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just drops Columbo. <laughs> uh, one, one more thing, one more thing. Are you uh, a servant of our sworn enemy? Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I always uh enjoy like like just name dropping real bits of media like this or real celebrities and stuff especially in something like an anime just that doesn't happen much so I'm always tickled by stuff by like an anime guy just bringing up oh yeah I liked watching Columbo fucking what <laughs> you're talking about Columbo in this but yeah now that Enya's been caught she just summons a whole bunch of you know the the puppeted zombies to, to come attack him he just punches them all out the window oh it feels so good though it's very good the, 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 the sound of the impact and the, the camera shake as the zombies like are expelled through the windows out into the street yeah they're really good and he's just saying like you know you might beat up a couple of these guys but i still gotcha because that gross weird hole cover hole filled baby from mm-hmm. earlier was crawling on the ground where jojo couldn't see it and just uh stabs him clean through his leg with its gross tongue yep he gets the the naked baby tongue stab so <laughs> there are three stand users like fighting for their lives all of whom have you know one toehold that justice can yank them around by either mm-hmm. the 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 wrist the tongue or the ankle both whole horse and Polnareff have come crawling out of the hallway to tell Jojo, like, oh, shit, watch out. <laughs> this is how justice works. But while Enya is gloating, you know, that she's got them all exactly where she wants them, you know, as soon as that one hole is in you, you're done. And she mm-hmm. mocks whole horse by asking if he can shoot the fog with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you shoot the fog with a gun is one of the less popular Zen cones, but uh, it'll get the job done. <laughs> And it's like, you get a quick bit of Star Platinum trying to punch the stand, like the actual floating skull part, but that's also made out of fog, so it doesn't do anything. And Enya says that she's going to kill all of them before they can even take one more breath. And Jojo, of course, being the sassy boy he is, holds up a single finger uh, and says, aha, actually, that's what I was going to say to you, basically. At this point, I'm thinking, okay, you're going to win one way or another, and then Kakuin's going to ask you when you tell him about it, like, why didn't you just punch the old lady, though? <laughs> the old lady was right <laughs> yeah. there. Why didn't you punch the old lady? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's some distance between them, like, longer than Star Platinum can punch, I think. But if you took one quick step forward, I bet you could nail her right in the face. <laughs> I can imagine like an anime insert scene, uh, if I guess this didn't happen in the manga, where uh, Jotaro tries that, but you know he, he's got a, a hole in his ankle. He just gets dragged, falls flat on his face. He's out of range. Okay. Yeah. But she didn't try. Totally <laughs> that happen. Yeah, to, totally see that happen. When it said Jojo's got a different idea, uh, because after saying you know the, the the whole defeating you after before you could take another breath thing, uh, 
Enya tries to retort back, but she suddenly just cannot breathe. She goes purple in the mm-hmm. blue in the face. Because we see Star Platinum not punching the fog, <laughs> but inhaling the fog. Star Platinum has massive, massive lung capacity. Did you know stands have lungs? Turns out some of them do. <laughs> and, and is just swallowing uh, Justice. And so if Justice is inside lungs, Justice can't breathe. And if Justice mm-hmm. can't breathe, Enya can't breathe. Yep. And so she just suffocates and passes out and starts foaming at the mouth. And that's the fight. <laughs> And the narrator gets so worked up about this. Yes. Yeah, I the, forgot. The narrator shouts, quote, he's suffocating that bitch. Like, come on, c- calm down, calm down. <laughs> she raised a very difficult son, okay? Let's, let's mm-hmm. give her some respect. Mm-hmm. That's unconditional love right there. Maybe her <laughs> love should have had a few conditions, uh, but still. So yeah, Anya has been defeated by having her, san- her stand sucked up by another stand. Mm-hmm. And everyone's been rescued now. Uh, Polnareff is very embarrassed that he almost had to lick a toilet. Uh, Joseph is very amused by this and and acts like this is going to be a thing he's going to bring up for the rest of Polnareff's life. Yes. You know, if, you know, questing around the world doesn't work out, he can always get a job at a certain Calcutta restaurant. Mm-hmm. He'd be the manager's favorite. <laughs> everyone, after everyone has a laugh about Polnareff almost licking a toilet. Or at least Joseph does. Kakiwin does not think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> Joseph, there could be salmonella, E. coli. Think about this. Come on. They they go back outside, the, or they leave the hotel, and then they see that the, the town they were in was actually just a massive graveyard, mm-hmm. and that the city they were seeing was uh, an illusion being made by the fog. Yes, yes. A fog-induced mirage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so all of the people, they, they were so bizarre and misshapen because they were rotting corpses mm-hmm. brought to, to life by, by the stand justice. Yeah. But yeah, Enya's still alive, just passed out, and they're all talking about how they need to take Enya with them mm-hmm. on their journey so that when she's awake, they can try to pull out, try to get info out of her. They really want to know what Dio's stand powers are. And they're really missing Anne by now already, wouldn't you know it? And she's roughly the same yeah. size. Mm-hmm. But as they are, are talking about this plan, a uh, whole horse snuck out behind them and stole their car. Yes. What a jerk. What a jerk. It's okay. You'll find another without explanation soon. I'm just around the corner. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Whole Horse is is try- giving them one bit of advice while he's driving away. He's just like, hey, you should just kill that old lady right now. And then he says, Sia, and his car leaps into the air. He does a kickflip. He does a kickflip with flip. a Jeep. <laughs> it's really funny looking. <laughs> Before, right before the episode ends, the camera uh, rests on Enya's face again, which now looks a little different. She's got all these weird little spots all over her face. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the end of episode 15, To Be Continued. So that's also the end of all we uh, had to talk about today. Uh, mm-hmm. This stretch of three is a bit of a slump. I think part of that is a, a middling, a sort of lackluster-ish uh, just one-off fight that didn't go anywhere or do much of anything. Yeah. But I think there's a natural slump in tension with the genre shift of the Justice mm. fight. Like, if episode 13 was more hype, you know, you you swap out one of the other one-episode stands for that, or you just, 
I don't know, do a little work to make the fight more exciting and interesting. I think mm. the uh, change in focus to like dread and uh, uh, slow revelations would be like a more welcome and more enjoyable thing. But mm-hmm. just having a limp lead in just makes it drag while it doesn't inherently. It, it's more the context that makes it feel like it does. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because like there is a lot of stuff with the, the two-parter here with Enya that I like a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's kind. It's kind of sort of like putting an end or, or wrapping up a little bit more the Polnareff stuff. Because like he had already gotten his closure, but there is still like you know the stuff for Enya. So we kind of wrap yeah. that stuff up. Like the way most of the fight isn't even a fight and more just uh, Enyaba trying to hold herself back from killing people too early because it'll <laughs> mess everything up. Mm-hmm. It's also refreshing to see. Jotaro knew that she was the stand user from the get-go. Yeah. <laughs> he was as observant as the audience was, and it was just like he just wanted to double-check so that he wasn't going to kill an innocent old lady, I guess. <laughs> and just, like, fooling her just with the stupid, like, guest book thing. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has often had horror trappings, but I feel mm. like this is the first, like, uh, or at least the truest horror episode. You know, yeah, it is about yeah. tension. It's about dread. It's about, you know, don't don't open the door. Don't. O- oh, no. Why did you open the door? You know, <laughs> yeah. and the dead walk. I, I wish when the fight becomes a big old fight, justice seemed more insurmountable because the, the real yeah. threat is the zombies in the way it's presented. And then Star Platinum just, you know, prepares for his big aria. You know, he's got to take a big breath before the high note and yeah. the, the end. But like facing off more with justice itself more, getting ragdolled yeah. and, and having to figure out that you're, you're never going to get in range to punch this thing, even if punches worked, would have yeah. made the fight part stronger. But the horror part, the the feeling like they are in Enya's trap and watching her scramble to keep the trap constructed is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. In the recap episode we did, previous episode, uh, I brought up, you know, there's that 90s OVA of Star Wars Crusaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Justice is one of the fights they adapt. And I remember that one being much more of like a big fight. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I'm scrolling through it right now real quick. Because it's like, it is a fight that involves every single member of the crew. Uh, (laughs) They are, like, the fight is taking outside a big building. It is, like, there is a big fog hand that picks Polnareff up and lifts him to the air and all this stuff. The timeline of the OVA is different from Stardust Crusaders. So, Avdol is still alive for this part. Ooh. I feel like fire would be good against fog. Yeah. Much better than bullets. I still think this fight ends just with the stand getting sucked up by Star Platinum. (laughs) But yeah, it is a bigger fight, at least. But that's also because they spend basically almost a full 30 minutes animating the fight. Mm -hmm. Whole Horse, though, surprised me in this episode. Mm -hmm. You know, his character as established, it's obvious that he would be trying to play to one side or the other. Uh, to try Mm. to just survive and and live to run away. But I'm surprised that he went in with Polnareff and Jotaro rather than trying to, like, suck up to uh, uh, Enyaba. Mm -hmm. Because if it went that way, I feel like it would really sell how scared he is of Dio. Yes. Uh, Funny funny thing, I have heard there is a scrapped idea in this part. There is apparently originally an idea that Whole Horse was going to be the new party member of the gang after Avdol, and then they went, 
but wait, he killed Abdul. Everyone would hate that. And so they didn't do it. Again, tomorrow is Fast uh, Tuesday. If you want to <laughs> exercise those feelings, uh, specifically regarding Fate of the Furious and Hobbs and Shaw, I understand. Mm-hmm. You get it, the vibe a little bit more because I, I double checked the manga part of this. And there is a little bit of a vibe of like, oh, he's like becoming nice now. Whole horse is nice, but no, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's still get, he's he stays a bad guy. But you can still see what what I mean to say is he could have come down on either side, and totally. I would appreciate like uh, more thought going into presenting his interiority because like mm-hmm. it it's also very natural for him to think that okay, these guys are angry at me, but this lady is trying to actively kill me. She is absolutely mad with grief and has the upper hand. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to play any cards, it's going to be to take her down and then hopefully uh, uh, I, I can sneak out when these dupes aren't looking, which is exactly what happened. Good job, whole yeah. horse. Yeah. <laughs> Love that whole horse. <laughs> I guess Inyaba isn't just the character to do this, but you think uh, a different stand user with... Uh, the justice stand may have made whole related puns with whole horse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it didn't happen she was too busy uh in the the anger stage of grief to to reach mm. the pun stage of grief the, <laughs> yeah the much less known sixth stage yeah after bargaining comes puns <laughs> so yeah i i like the the justice fight there are definitely things that could be done to improve it but there's a lot there that i think works pretty well for me um Mm -hmm. yeah it is just a shame that it comes right after wheel of fortune which kind of like dampens everything a bit i feel like that's probably the biggest lull you get in the first season the first arc Mm -hmm. of Stardust crusaders is is this three stretch of episodes um maybe i'm misremembering things later on but i believe the next three we are going to be watching for for next week are all pretty good it's got one of my one of my favorite instances of having to rename something so that they don't get sued <laughs> you, you'll notice it right away because it's like it's not it, it is a character who actually does introduce themselves by name mm-hmm. uh and not one of those things where you have to wait for the the stat screen to pop up to get it but it, it's pretty good uh, so we will be back next week starting off with The Lovers Part 1. <laughs> Who could that be? Hmm. Mm. See you later, everybody. To be continued. Hello again. I don't have anything else to add. I just enjoy our chats. How did that thing go last week? Oh, good. I'm glad. You know, maybe I should try that Fast and the Furious cartoon to prepare for tomorrow. Uh, Wait, wait. They made four seasons of that? I've got to go.